if you have negative data, that's a gift. If you have negative information that's coming at you, then that means that you can actually do something with it and then make the changes. And I see patient experience living in one place and I see marketing living in another place. And I do believe that maybe in the future, there will be some sort of unification where consumer experience might be the encapsulation of both, or there might be a crossover. That's Carrie Lichen, the head of healthcare at Yext. Along with being a bit cheerful when negative data rolls in, Carrie has some unconventional views concerning what it takes to be consumer-centric in healthcare. You'll hear advice on how to think like the patients in your market and when you should and shouldn't listen to your doctors. You might be a bit shocked at first. I was. But then the pieces start coming together. There's a picture that Carrie is painting here on the growing marriage between marketing and the patient experience. You'll hear more on that after the break. Consumer experiences, major disruptors in AI tech are shaping healthcare for years to come. On Hello Healthcare, we dive deep on these issues with leaders who are driving change. I'm Chris Hemphill, VP of Applied AI at Actium Health, and we hope that these stories will help you to create or demand a better future in healthcare. Hello, healthcare. We have Carrie Lichen from Yes. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Carrie comes to us from, uh, she's the leader of the healthcare uh, vertical at Yes, and also has a background from Google, got her MPH at Harvard University. So it's a unique combination. We have masters in public health combined with deep expertise in the tech industry to kind of triangulate around the consumer experience within healthcare. Carrie, could you share a little bit about your background and, and what's got you here? Yeah, happy to. So I originally wanted to be a doctor. When I was in sixth grade, we did a human body notebook and we studied every single system of the body. And it was the first time I had been presented with this thing called anatomy and systems. And it was science. It was really, really, really fascinating. And I did really well putting all of this together. And it was a whole year. And I decided I wanted to be a cardiologist. And then I went to college and I took my first chemistry, my college level chemistry class. And I realized I had to be in a lab for hours and hours at a time. And I went to college in the South and it was sunny outside. And I wanted to be outside more than I wanted to be inside in the lab, figuring out how to boil water. So after I realized that maybe that wasn't the thing for me, I tried to find all of these different ways of how to get into healthcare in, in a different fashion. And it led me through to public policy. And I spent some time working with a lawyer who is blind. We did a lot of work advocating on behalf of people with disabilities on the Hill. I learned a lot about Medicare and Medicaid in, in that sense. And that led me to uh, Harvard Kennedy School, which is where I focused a lot on health policy. But at the time, I realized I really wanted business experience. And so I graduated from grad school and I joined the Google Boston office, which is about 20 people at the time. Mm -hmm. And we were quickly able to, within about six months, bring out the healthcare team on the business side. So we split this healthcare team. So it was half in Mountain View and it was half in Boston. And then I helped to basically start the hospital group within the healthcare team. And we grew that. And I spent eight and a half years, pretty much all of the eight and a half years, studying the digital patient journey, understanding how people actually search for healthcare 
We didn't really even have mobile phones when I started at Google. I remember getting the iPhone. Actually, I had the BlackBerry and I was BBMing all of the time. And then I got the iPhone 3. And then Google came out with, I think it was called the, the G1. I can't remember what it was, but it had this weird screen. It was kind of like that T-Mobile phone almost. It had a, a, a flip screen almost or a flip keyboard almost. And that's when things started to change for the consumer. People were now starting to get phones that they could actually like have computers in their pocket. So when they went to their healthcare appointments, they were not only coming with printed pieces of paper from, let's say, WebMD or other sources online of something that they had Googled, because we had started to see that people were Googling healthcare things, but now they were able to actually look things up when the doctor was giving them a diagnosis or look things up while they were in the waiting room. And so I was able to see what the evolution looked like from there and then moved over to Yext, where I'm now the head of healthcare at Yext, where I'm in charge of product strategy and go to market for basically helping people find health information anywhere where they're searching, whether it's on Google or it's on an app or a website or just driving a much better experience so that people can actually get what it is that they need. Excellent. Well, I love hearing about like all the different things you're bringing together. That is a powerful intersection to have that deep uh, public policy experience and then have uh, studied the consumer journey from kind of Google's perspective, which is extremely data backed for eight and a half years. So that's exciting to hear. Now I think I want to tease out just a little bit of what you learned on that journey because uh, we all see it. We see these new technologies coming. We heard about the iPhone 13 and mm -hmm. all, all these different things. But there's an impact that I don't necessarily know what that impact is on consumer expectations on their healthcare experiences. So how can healthcare systems or how can hospitals know what those consumer expectations are to, to have kind of a basis to be able to act on? <laughs> I love this question. I feel like I feel like I answer this question in many different ways a lot over the last couple of years. How health systems can do this is to literally be a patient put themselves, if you're just an individual, if you're the CEO, the CIO, the CMO, the COO, the head of nursing, the head of digital, whoever you are, put yourself in the patient's shoes and walk in those shoes. There are so many experiences that a patient has that I think gets lost in the different layers of leadership within a healthcare organization. And I see it whenever I go into healthcare, well, we don't actually go into healthcare organizations anymore unless you're sick. But when I used to visit with organizations, it would be really interesting to talk to the different groups of individuals, different leadership areas where I would be told that that's not how it is. And then I would press back and I would ask, have you done it? Have you been a patient? Have you gone through that experience? And I would get a, a head shaking no. And then I would press on and say, why not try it? So we've done this. Actually, at Yext, we used to host uh, different teams. They would come in and we would facilitate these types of journeys mm -hmm. and experiences. And it was always mind boggling to me to see how many people had never actually done that. So biggest thing is take a journey, break it down, and then put yourself or put your group into those shoes. So what is it like to find healthcare information even before you decide on care? So you receive a diagnosis. What is it like? What would you do? Would you would you search? Would you ask a friend? Would you read an encyclopedia? Not likely because how many of us actually have encyclopedias anymore? Right. So what would you do? And what is that experience for your system directly? Then once you're actually in, let's say you're going to 
get ready to go to the doctor. What's the parking experience like? Or what's the transportation experience like? What's the front desk experience like? Especially now during COVID, what does that look like? How different is it? Is it, is it good? Is it bad? What's positive about it? What's negative about it? What's the inpatient experience like? Is it positive or negative? What is the post-op experience like? What is the you know, post-diagnosis experience like? What is the experience like when you call just to find out additional information because you have some sort of GI procedure mm-hmm. like, and you need to find more information? What's the call center experience? like? Just do it and be the patient. And then very quickly, I think health systems will see that there are a lot of broken points within all of those areas that then need to be prioritized of how to fix first. Wow. So I thought you were going to tell me to go and spend millions of dollars on consultants and uh, identify these gaps, but be a patient. Be a patient. Three simple words. Yeah. And I will attest that a lot of the change that I've seen, a lot of uh, leaders that have been gone and written books about this or uh, like made major transformations to their experience, a lot of times, no matter what the data says, it was like the experience that they had as a patient that in their own health systems or with their own close family members to, to get them to realize the importance of these gaps. It's true. I can tell you for my own personal experience, and I can, I've can read those books too, mm-hmm. and I know for a fact that only when the individual becomes the patient do we really understand just the pain points that, that we're experiencing. And I like to say personally for my own pain points, I am steeped in this. You and I are both steeped in this. I remember when you talked about your experience even going to Walmart Health and how interesting it was and how it was quite illuminating in many ways, very transparent. How could we do that within health systems in any of our healthcare? I mean, I don't know that until I actually become the patient and I've had those experiences. Exactly. You you can't really truly know unless you actually go and Mm -hmm. uh, experience what your patients are actually going through. Hello Healthcare is brought to you by Actium Health. Healthcare leaders use Actium CRM intelligence to activate patients and drive meaningful engagement. You can make it simple to identify and predict patient needs by using AI-driven next best actions. Learn more at actiumhealth.com. And now back to the show. The next question though is, you're being a patient, you're learning about that consumer experience. What are some things that organizations can do? Or let's say that I'm a leader at an organization. I know I have other people who have their own opinions about how healthcare should be, but what can we do to then rally around the consumer and put the patient and the consumer at the center of that experience? Can I answer honestly? Yes. I'm married to a doctor, so I feel like I'm allowed to say this. Okay. Stop listening to your doctors. Ooh. The providers or the doctors, the MDs, doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean they really understand the patient or the consumer experience. They've been educated and they are experts in their area of medicine, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they really understand the experience side of that. And that's where I think administrators and leaders and others need to step up and say, thank you for your input. However, we are going to go in a different direction. Or... And or maybe 
thank you for this, but in order to deliver a better patient experience or consumer experience, we are going to have to ask more of you in this context. So maybe we do have to open up your schedule for virtual care more so than you're willing to. Or maybe we do have to shift around what the the waiting room experience is. Or maybe we do have to make sure that if somebody is discovering information online, we have to put XYZ components online, and even though you don't really want it there. But I think historically, and this could be very controversial, and Mm -hmm. I'm willing to fall on the sword for this because I think that it's very important. Healthcare is one of the only industries that I can think of that leaders are also practitioners. So they're also the doctors in many cases, but also other leaders or other individuals within the, the, the space who, performing the business listen so much to the doctors. When in reality, the doctors are, are the product, their specialties, what they treat, they're the product. And so the marketing teams and others need to figure out how do I make sure that people understand and know that this product is out there, but you can't always let the product lead the way because it doesn't always mean that it's going to be in the best interest of that experience that the consumer is going to have. So I would say maybe separate a little bit. There's a lot of politics in that and I understand that. And I just feel like it it is slightly controversial for me to say, but I think the more that we can remove ourselves from having the doctors dictating what it is that we're doing and placating them and bowing down. I can't tell you how many times I see how teams bow down to the doctors and the doctor walks into the room and we treat them like, oh, it's the doctor. They're just, they put their pants on the same way I put my pants on, you know, one leg at a time. I mean, we're all the same just because they have an MD doesn't necessarily mean that they know any better about what we should be able to help drive for the patient experience. They know how to treat the patient and they will do it really well leave the rest up to the other teams to really drive a much better experience that way. So I, I think we have some common ground on, on this thought because you're married to a doctor. Yes. And my opinion, or, or at least from what I've seen, is that when it comes to who cares about an individual patient that they're working with, like I'm delivering care to this patient, there's nobody more invested in that than the, the people that are working with them directly, the clinicians, the doctors who put their hands on, on the patients every day. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when it comes to the thinking around the overall experience and how we're communicating with them, what their engagement patterns are, that might not be the, the background or expertise. No. Like you said, thank you for, for your input. That's very well needed from like a patient care perspective. Then when, when we start looking broader, there's just different areas of expertise yeah. that we shouldn't expect our doctors to know everything about the, uh, like about the business side and all of the aspects of the consumer experience that people go through. So many components of that. That's true. Yeah. Thank you for the the input, I think is the best term. But then there has to be a willingness to say, that was great input, we'll use it, or that was great input, but we're actually not going to use it. So when you, when you bring politics and dictating into the picture, <laughs> nobody should be dictating mm-hmm. to anyone. It should be, we have an understanding of, of these different elements and we, we come to consensus. But when it becomes a, a place where one dictates to the other, it just sounds like a, a structure that's planned for toxicity. A final question that I wanted to get into is like, we talk about the consumer experience. We talk about expectations and things like that. But one thing I'm really curious about is how does somebody know that they've actually delivered? If I'm a leader in a health system, what lets me know? Are there metrics or or what lets me know that we've actually done a good job? I wish that we had something that was more uniform, but I don't think that we do. So in the absence of uniform metrics, I think there are a number of things that we can look at. First off is let's look at what's happening outside of healthcare. 
So I can't tell you how many times I receive, for example, an email after I've purchased something that has said, hey, did you have a good purchase experience or how was your product? Or would you mind rating this? Or would you mind letting us know how how it went? That's one thing. It's just an easy way of collecting data just to get an overall sentiment of was it good and was it not good? We survey for other things, so why wouldn't we survey? Mm-hmm. The, the bigger element of that, though, is we have to do it in a timely fashion. And I think historically we have all of these, we have some survey companies that don't really send timely surveys out. So you're not really hitting the, the patient or the former patient in a place where they even remember that it was a great experience or not. And probably the response rate is fairly low. I don't know. I don't have all of the data on that. Maybe it's relatively high. So I would say gather data. I'm a big fan of gathering the data. I think the other piece is then see how much of it has changed from negative to positive. Mm. So if you have negative data, that's a gift. If you have negative information that's coming at you, then that means that you can actually do something with it and then make the changes. And I see patient experience living in one place and I see marketing living in another place. And I do believe that maybe in the future, there will be some sort of unification where consumer experience might be the encapsulation of both, or there might be a crossover. And the consumer experience piece can take that data from an external perspective, can actually take that data and do something with it, whether, and again, I'll talk about the digital side, but it can also be implemented internally too for the service recovery and others. But I think that the external piece of it, make the change. It's so easy to make the change once you get that negative information to then flip it over. So then you can start seeing what the trend is to see if it's starting to trend upward. I think the other piece is, is if you're not getting feedback, that's a big element too. Because what we tend to see is that the loudest, most vocal voices tend to be those who are displeased. Mm -hmm. Those who are happy are fine. They don't even really take as much time to do that unless asked. So I think it would be really interesting to see, are you even getting the feedback in the first place? Then finally, what I would say is, okay, so you were the patient. You put yourself in the patient's shoes. And then you said, I'm going to go ahead and enact some consumer-like, maybe retail-like changes into the healthcare experience. So you have a pre, document the pre. So when you're actually the patient, document it. Implement and now try again and take a look at the comparison of what does that actually look like. Mm -hmm. So you can see, have we made any changes? Maybe get a group of people together, get a group of patients, get a group of providers, get a group of internal employees together to understand, let's go through this experience now, having made these changes, what was that like? And see, is it better or is it worse? And chart that out. I think there are so many different touch points within a healthcare organization where we could be making these changes that it is probably very overwhelming as well to say, where do we do it first or how do we do it first? So I've, we've talked about this before. Start with something really small. Look at some of the feedback on it. See if you can make the changes. Be the patient. Record it. And then go ahead and see what it's like after you've made that change. And then keep on making the changes and see if it works. That's a really good point. I can't go and look at my Facebook page and say, oh, we have this many likes now. The consumer experience is great. It's more like find a challenge Mm -hmm. and there's not a uniform metric around it. There's a a bunch of different unique scenarios that are going to be fitting to whatever problems you identify when you 
as the patient have, like you said, documented these experiences, mm-hmm. identified what's wrong with them, documented the pre, and then mm-hmm. made a commitment to follow up on those those same metrics and see where those have shifted. Have they gone up? Have they gone down? I mean, Facebook is a good example of this. I remember even when I was at Google and learning about the number of A-B tests that Google was constantly doing on the search engine results page. Mm-hmm. Constantly. They're constantly doing A-B tests with the individuals who are coming to the page. And like maybe I at one desk was seeing something different than somebody at a different desk, literally inside the Google office. So for the vast globe of people mm-hmm. who are accessing Google. So why not A-B test things constantly? Always be looking at things. And I know Facebook does this. Organizations are constantly doing this to see what is a better what is a better experience. And then once you collect that data, then stick with it and then start A-B testing something else and then start A-B testing something else. It's just these little incremental tweaks. I see this a lot in healthcare. Like even um, we're working with an organization right now, we're getting ready to launch a find a doctor for them. And we were supposed to launch in August but they still haven't launched because committee after committee after committee after committee after committee has to review and then has to approve. And this goes back to what I was saying before about, you know, come on, doctors, we respect you. We love you. You're wonderful. But at some point, okay, no. So how do we also make sure that if we're just making these small things, we're not necessarily getting committee after committee after committee together and mm-hmm. making this a really big thing, just start tweaking. And you'll actually make a lot more progress if you're A-B testing as opposed to pulling something big together and making this massive project. Because it just gets too many people involved, too many voices involved, and then too many things crowding what actually needs to get done to make for a much better consumer or patient experience in the long run. Well, Carrie, I, I got to say, I appreciate all the thoughts that you shared I think people should be ready to collect data and then be mm-hmm. able to be ready to act on that data. When you say do A-B tests, that requires a follow-up period of mm-hmm. you evaluate after a certain period of time and see whether or not there was a, a change that occurred. It doesn't mean launching a campaign or launching mm-hmm. a program, seeing that it didn't work and kind of just pushing that to the wayside right. and only presenting uh, right. what was awesome. So for all the folks out there that want to uh, get in touch or debate on the, the doctor period, <laughs> uh, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm just Carrie Lykin. And then you can also email me at Carrie at Yex.com. So C-A-R-R-I-E at Yex.com. All right. Well, Lykin on LinkedIn or Yex or however you want to reach her. It's been a pleasure talking to you. It was great talking to you too, Chris. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning into Hello Healthcare. If you like what you heard, we appreciate a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. You and your feedback fuel us. This conversation is brought to you by Actium Health. To get the latest on what these healthcare leaders are saying, subscribe to our newsletter on HelloHealthcare.com or join us for our weekly sessions on LinkedIn. Thanks, and when we see you next time, hello. Hello.